Hey, 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 Closet Busters, come on and gather around. It's time once again to kick down those closet doors of life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens, bold move expert and coming out coach, and I'm going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloseted. So come on, grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step in to living your truth as we explore more stories, tips, and tricks for living your life uncloseted. Now let's get to the show. Hey, 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 closet dwellers and bold move makers. It is time once again for Life Uncloseted. I'm your host, Rick Clemens, and you know what? Coming out, well, it's scary. It's electrifying. It's confusing. It can be life-changing, and sometimes you don't even see the stuff that's about to come your way when you come out. And I'm not just talking about coming out sexually. I'm talking about coming out in anything. If you come out of a corporate job and you move on to entrepreneurship, if you come out and say, okay, I'm done being heavy, fat, whatever we want to use those terms, and I'm going to lose some weight. So many of these things, you don't realize the impact it's going to have in other areas of your life. And because we take these stands and we say, this no longer fits for me, I'd rather do this than die, then you suddenly go, oh, wow, there's lots of interesting things starting to happen. And I was reminded of this a few weeks ago um, when a, I'm going to say a friend of mine, even though it's the first time we've actually even connected with him being on the show today, we have followed each other in Instagram and other places. He posted an article about 800 days and it tweaked my curiosity. And then once I got into the article, I'm like, uh, yeah, he and I need to finally do this and have this conversation and meet because he shared this article about his own coming out, but with lots of other tentacles into the story. His name is Michael J. Barber. He is a pretty awesome guy. He's a fellow speaker. He's senior VP of a very creative agency, which I'll let him talk a little bit about Godfrey and stuff like that. But I thought this guy would be really great to be another example of what it truly means to come out, live your life on your terms, and live your life on closet. So I'm going to shut up and say, welcome to the show, Michael. Glad to finally have you here and talking and meeting all that good stuff, man. Thanks, Rick. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. I've been following you since uh, I found out about the podcast a few months ago, and I'm really excited to have a chat with you today. Well, that's awesome, man. And I know we we kind of walk in a lot of similar circles. You do some marketing stuff. I used to be a marketing branding guy. So quite honestly, listeners, he and I could go probably 100 different directions today, and we may do that. So just stick with us because there's a point to everything we're going to probably discover here. But um Let's talk about that 800-day story that you wrote, because that's really the thing that piqued the interest. What was the impetus behind that, man? Sure. So I wrote this post called uh, 800 Days of Being Me and 800 Days of Happiness, I should say. And the impetus was I wanted to share not necessarily what uh, my coming out journey was and and the the story of me coming out, because I think that's a very personal story that happens between two people. But what coming out did for me and how the last 800 days of my life have been vastly different and vastly more improved and vastly more challenging because of coming out and try and coalesce that around a couple core areas that I thought um, have been really impactful for me since coming out. And I think most of us, when we start this journey, we are so wrapped up in the coming out piece. We don't really realize what it's really going to do for us. We kind of think what we know it's going to do. We anticipate a lot of times that anticipation is around the negative stuff, but there's pieces of this that 
most people don't even see coming because this thing is actually going to give us new insights to self, new insights to being in the world, how we're going to play the games, um, how we're going to be ourselves at even a deeper level that has absolutely nothing to do with our sexuality. But that platform is kind of what gives us that ability to go, huh, I didn't see that part of myself showing up. And I'm curious, is, it seems that that's a lot of what you started to see when you wrote this article is all this other stuff. Yeah, I think, um, I think when you come out, you're so afraid of just the day one consequences yep. or, and the day one, not necessarily consequences, but the, the toughness of just saying the words, I am gay to yep. anyone that means anything to you or a complete stranger, um, that it's hard to look past that day one and know that there are, there is day two and day three. And then when I got to a day 800, um, and understand all of the goodness that's going to come out of that. And, and sure, there's going to be any number of trials and tribulations, but you don't get to think about a lot of the goodness that comes out of that step, you know, six months down the line, a year down the line, two years down the line, a decade down the line, um, because you're so focused on the coming out portion yeah. of the conversation. Um, and it's just an, it's, it's, it was refreshing for me. And I think it's refreshing for anyone, um, to take a step back and go, man, day one was really hard and day two was hard and day three and day four and even day 800 in my case is hard, but look at all these things that I've been able to experience because I finally said, this is who I am and this is what I want. Mm -hmm. I think that's a compelling argument right there is look at all these things because we're looking in the funnel of oh this is what's happening right now but look at all these other things that start to happen and one of the things i have found most interesting and people have heard me talk about this on the podcast numerous times is when someone comes out we are in that we are in the trenches it's about the whole sexuality coming out Depending on the different situations, it could be you're single, it could be married, have kids, all these different things. And then suddenly, at some point down the road, and one of the most compelling lines in your article that grabbed me right out the gate was, the day that I walked off the stage as a speaker, as a gay man, that's like, oh, this is something here that I didn't really think about, you know? It's, it's these things that, even though that had probably nothing to do with your sexuality, it was something there that compelled you to write that line. And I'm curious, what was that feeling? Because you saw yourself in that moment as somebody different. Yeah. Um, so my speaking coaches and people that I've gotten to know in the business uh, have often said that when you're on stage, your role is not to be someone else. Mm -hmm. Your role is to simply amplify who you already are. And I think when I was on stage as someone who hadn't figured out who he was, and then for a while, very definitely in the closet, when I was able to be on stage as me, 100% authentically who I am and had gone down this path of telling my parents, my family, my friends, my colleagues that I was gay, I could step on that stage and really be me. There was a, there was a layer of protection that was always happening on stage to do I say certain words? Do I act a certain way? Because would I be perceived differently? And stepping onto the stage as who I was and getting off that stage was a realization of, of true authenticity of the, the product that I was bringing to the stage. The person that was standing there was me through and through. Mm -hmm. And I had never had that feeling before. 
Um, and, and, and the thing that made me think about it, and I don't know if you get this as a speaker, but uh, there's always some level of nerves. No matter if you do this day one and you're shaking in your boots or you've been on a thousand stages, there's always something that you get nervous about. Um, for me, I'm going to get real here. I had this incessant need to go to the bathroom every time I got on stage. <laughs> that was my nervous tick. And uh -huh. for some people, it is that. Um, mm -hmm. And the day I got on that stage after I had come out was the first day being on a stage that that didn't exist. I wow. breathed better. I, I, I moved about the stage better. I, uh, the pacing was better. Just everything mm -hmm. clicked for me. And I realized I had just been protecting the stage from me because I didn't want people to think that I wasn't the person that I truly was. And so that was the big realization was, God, that felt so good being able to go up on stage and not have any sort of closet to be in. Um, and that's what made me write that, that line and that, that area of the article was just the amount of acceptance for myself and how much I felt the audience accepted me when I knew the person that was stepping on that stage was really me and not somebody else that I was trying to act, uh, trying to act for. Right. You know, it's interesting that you bring that up because my interesting little thing, and it still happens, but not like it used to, was I would sweat incessantly. Mm. I would get up in front of people, and because I'm a baldy, you know, the sweat beads on the head. And even as I was going, and the first time I really realized this was when I was going through my coaching certification and my coach trainer, he said, you know, maybe you should get some coaching around that sweating. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Someone's going to coach me about this sweating thing. And then uh, mutual acquaintance, Michael Port, um, he actually said something very similar to me. He goes, you know, you might want to talk to a couple of people about this thing. And I kept thinking, what are these people getting at? And then what I realized was these were the tentacles of me still not being a hundred percent comfortable with myself yeah. as a gay man. Yeah. And the more I stepped into that and said, this is what you get. This is what you get with Rick. Uh, you get raw, you get real, you may get an F-bomb every once in a while. You may get something that you that shocks you. Like when I, there's one line in one of my speeches when I talk about being with the pastor in his office talking about being gay and I couldn't focus on it because he was just really hot, you know? So all I could do was focus on how hot the pastor was, you know? Yeah. Those moments are the real Rick. And when I realized this is what I need to do, and as I now craft talks and everything, I just did a talk at Podcast Movement a few months ago, um, I didn't sweat yeah. because I'm showing up as truly who I am. Yeah. I'm not trying to pretend to be something I'm not. I am, okay, this is me. And as a speech, you know, as a speaker, I think that's what the audience is looking for. They want you to be real so that they can connect with you. Yep. And yep. that's the difference. That and if you're not connected to yourself, you can't do that with them. No, you can't show up. If, you, if you're trying to protect the audience from not knowing who you are, mm -hmm. you are never going to connect with that audience. Mm -hmm. And I think more than ever, I've been able to, uh, as a speaker who used to sit in the back and watch speakers and, um, and always wonder, like, what am I not? What am I not bringing to the stage that I see from some of these speakers? It's I've realized how much more it was just not bringing me to the stage that was making mm -hmm. them not yeah. necessarily a better speaker, but certainly a, a speaker that resonated better with with an audience. But don't you think, Michael? Too the piece of that is when we resonate with ourselves, 
Yeah. It's so much easier to resonate with anybody. It doesn't have to be a big audience, you know, of, you know, 200, 2000, whatever it is. It's when you are fully aligned with yourself, it actually is pretty easy. It's really it easy to do this with anybody. I can meet yeah. some, I mean, here you, I mean, honestly, people listening to this, this is the first time Michael and I are meeting and we're very comfortable with this because I think we're both, well, first, we're both like performers, quote unquote, and we're comfortable in who we are. We're comfortable in the work we do. We, we're comfortable in what it is that we were brought to the world to do. Yes, every day is a challenge in that, of course, but when you start to be really comfortable in you, you can be comfortable with anybody. You become, you become so much more comfortable in, you know, ambiguity, which inherently mm -hmm. is what happens when you're meeting someone or you're getting on a stage, whether it's a, you know, 10 and 10 people, one person that you're in front of, or a thousand or 10,000, there's so much ambiguity that goes into any social setting, a meeting that you come into a concepting session, a pitch for a client. Mm -hmm. when, when you know who you are, I think you can take away all of the concerns you have about that ambiguity, you know, right. the, that ambiguity goes to, is the work good enough? Is the, are, is the design of my slides good enough? Is, is the work that we bring to the table good enough? That ambiguity still lies there, but the ambiguity of showing up and saying, this is who I am and presenting it from your true authentic self goes away almost instantaneously. Mm -hmm. I think one of the most compelling things that ever got me to that space was I was presenting, this was years ago, and I was at a college, and I was just speaking in a sexuality class. So no big stage, but there was probably 100, 100 150 kids in the room. And um, I kind of walked in, and I'm like, I am so tired of telling the same stuff, you know? And I was really uptight about it. And I thought, something's got to give this time. And I thought, okay, fine. Something's going to give. I don't know what it's going to be. And in the midst of that talk, I just, I felt this thing take over. And it's like, this is one more layer that's about to drop. And I went into my story about what I call sexual awakening. Not so much sexual abuse, that's where it would fall under, but sexual awakening by someone in the family that didn't really need to do that to me. But it was also the moment that I really was like, oh, okay, now I understand why I have certain feelings that I have. And it was almost like that, that weird space of that, okay, who is Rick? Oh, here's another layer of him. Yeah. And that freed me so much because then every time I went and talked, that became kind of a piece of it that I could talk through that was very simple. It was very easy to come into that very scary taboo space that a lot of people, it does make a lot of people uncomfortable when I go there. But the whole point of it is there's nothing to hide here. I'm being raw and being real. And I didn't need slides. I didn't need, and actually it was kind of funny because that time we had some slides and the projector didn't work. And I think that was probably the destiny right there was the projector wasn't working. The slides weren't going to come up and I'm just going to have to go. And I think this is the thing that most of us discover is we learn as we come through the closet doors, we know how to just go. Well, that means we're going to go before we get on the stage and go to the bathroom, but we go in the moment. Yes. Because we're not afraid to be in the moment. So yeah. It's, it's, it's such a true observation of this idea of, of being in the moment. You're able to just listen, absorb, and be a part of what's happening around you when you don't have to worry so much about what the surroundings are looking at you like. Um, and, and, and that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a tough realization to understand that when you show up as you, there's less judgment than you showing up as someone else. Mm -hmm. um, 
and maybe that's something that we all should realize at a much younger age. Uh, I wish I had. I think most of us wish we had because yeah. even as adults, and I'm sure you can relate to this even now, every once in a while that little tentacle will still show up and go, okay, I'm not showing up, but it's me. Why am I doing this again? Because it's, at least for me, when I don't do that, oh my God, the frustration start to show up. I feel weird. I, I kind of get a nauseous feeling. It's like, no, Rick, you need to go back to showing up as you. Can't pretend this is, this is what you get. This is how you show up. So, um, yeah, so I'm curious, as you, as you took that next step, you know, you're writing this article, and this is one of those stupid interviewer questions, but I think it's kind of poignant at this time. What was it for? What was that article really for? I, mean, I know my gut feeling of why, why it was there, but what was it for for you? This is a really good question that I hadn't thought about. This is when, as an interviewer, you know, okay, you have, you've had your Oprah moment right here. <laughs> so I'll give you my feedback. As I read the article, I felt something that I had felt for myself, which was, this was for you. This was for you, another layer of you releasing yourself into some truth that's always been there, that needed to be put in a place where you could say, this isn't going anywhere now. This is out there. And this is another truth of myself that I see. That was kind of my interpretation of it. Yeah, I, uh, I would say you're, you're, you're fairly spot on. It was releasing, for me, it was releasing a lot of thoughts that were both extremely positive and extremely negative parts mm -hmm. of my life mm -hmm. over the last 800 days. Yep. You know, as, as I alluded to at the start of this conversation, the 800 days, not that they have been an incredible journey, not without, you know, some really tough, tough moments. Mm -hmm. um, and, and if it was to let go of, well, first to let go of, of all the thoughts that have been sitting in this head in a very unorganized fashion um, that have been incredible realizations for me since coming out, but it was also to unpack the, the feelings that I had for situations and experiences that weren't exactly that positive that I wanted to let go as well. Mm -hmm. And for me, writing those things down, whether it's on Medium or whether it's, uh, whether it's in a journal or whether it's just taking a little note in my iPhone tends to allow me to put that chapter down, so to speak, and then right. close it and start writing the next one. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, I, you're spot on. It was, it was very selfish for me, but my hope is that it, if, if anybody could look at it and go, that's what I needed to hear to be able to make a decision in their life that you can get past these really, really tough circumstances, these really, really tough decisions that will change your life, regardless mm -hmm. if it's about uh, your sexuality, if it is about a relationship, if it is about uh, a decision you have to make about someone that's in your life, that there is a, uh, there is a side, there is another, there is a path where it gets better. It just takes time. And see, I'm going to, I don't want to get into a coaching thing here, but you said something I found so fascinating and this is something I had to learn. You said it was maybe selfish for you. I'm going to counter that it was actually selfless for you because it was you being able to step into a place of this is me going raw. This is me going real. 
it's a part of selfless. It's about taking care of self so that you can go to the next place. And people kind of criticized me with my book a couple of years ago when it came out. Oh, this was all about you trying to grandstand how great your story was. I'm like, no, the story still isn't great. <laughs> it's still a challenge, but there's pieces of it that I showed the real stuff. There's pieces of it that I showed the stuff that nobody wanted to see. And then there's pieces of it that were all great, but it was a selfless act so that I could say, I need to do this. Yes, I'm helping myself, but I want someone else to read this and go, okay, I have hope. Okay, I identify with that because I think as men, and not that women can't listen to this piece because I think all the women are going to be sitting there shaking their head with what I'm about to say. I think as men, we have the hardest time being selfless and being self-caring. And if we don't step into that more and more, we can't become who we're really meant to be. Now, as men, we can be really selfish. We're really good at that. I think a lot of people are, but I think men, there's something about that masculine energy that we can be really selfish. Mm -hmm. But to go the reverse, that means we got to be vulnerable. That means we got to be exposed. And I think that's a big piece for the men's movement. What I consider men's movement right now is how do we start to open up and go to this selfless place where we can say, this is me. Here's my shit. This is what I've learned. And, and the stuff you wrote in that article, there was a lot of beautiful learning, especially one thing that also caught my eye was in, in some words and even in some subtext of how much you've learned about yourself as a professional, not only on the stage, but in business since you came out. There's all these pieces of you that I interpreted, and I want you to weigh in on this, that how you now show up in your work life is probably much different than you did prior to this hey, guess what? <laughs> I'm a big fag, so to speak. Yeah. Um, there was really two things out of my professional life that I think were impactful over the last 800 or so days. Um, was one, being me allowed other people around me to be me, to be themselves, excuse me. Um, one of your past guests, Mike Anito, who is also a fellow friend, um, has talked about this idea that we progress as a group uh, as a collective, whether this is, you know, your organization or as, you know, as a global collective, when we ensure everyone has the chance to be who they are. Um, and I think what I've learned is when I could say, this is me, I heard more stories about who the people with that I work with on a regular basis, my clients, my colleagues, who they were, what they were struggling with. Um, and, and I think this comes from any, any number of places is that when when we allow ourselves to be transparent, it builds a layer of trust that although it can be really hard to say the tough things and say, this is who I am and this is what I think is happening and this is what I think is wrong with maybe something you've done, those are all really tough things to say, but they allow such a better conversation to happen and a better working relationship to happen. Um, you know, for, for years and years and years, uh, you know, leaders inherently in organizations are, uh, are protective. They want to say the right things at the right time, do the right yeah. thing. We are inherently competitive because you have to have some competitive bone in your body to want to move your career to higher points. Yeah. Um, and often, I think the leadership books of the past or the sort of old school way of thinking about who do I show up as a leader had to come from a place of inauthenticity of a contrived self that you mm -hmm. brought to work. You had your eight to five personality and then you have personality outside of hours. And 
in my head, that's all bullshit. It's all yeah. crap. When I showed up as this is who I am, I was able to say tough things and be more transparent <clears throat> with people. And they in turn return that favor tenfold because I was able to have those honest conversations. Mm -hmm. And this is where, you, you know, Mike and I have some very commonalities in the work we do because I'm starting to talk at organizations about the closet your employees are sitting in is the exact closet that's going to break your company. If they can't bring themselves fully to work and be engaged because they don't feel like they can say, guess what, I'm gay, or guess what, I'm Christian, or guess what, I, I really am someone who loves to sleep in till 10, but I'm more productive from noon to nine or whatever. All of these things are the things that prevent all of us from thriving, and I love what you said about as a collective. We can't be successful as a collective if everybody's not encouraged to bring them full selves to the game. And I know for me, I held back. I, there were numerous times that people like go out after work and stuff, and then I'm like, okay, let's have a good time. And they're like, who is this guy? Yeah. This guy, and what I realized through my own work on myself was the guy that I wasn't being was because I was too concerned about being found out mm -hmm. because I had a story. I had a story I had to tell. I was a dad and I was a husband and I was a straight guy and I was very driven by work and, you know, behind the scenes, all this other stuff was going on with, you know, here's Rick, the gay guy over here, but we can't let that happen. So in order to protect everything, here's the story at work that had to be projected and actually pretty much everywhere else, because if I didn't play by that story, I was going to slip up. And that became so heavy and so detrimental that I actually began to really hate everything. My life, my wife, my kids, everything, because I was telling the wrong story. And that's when I made the pivot. Yeah, and I think the other big thing, and maybe you've realized this too, is when you are showing up not as you, you inherently protect yourself from building relationships inside of organizations from uh, allowing not only yourself, but others to work on things together, uh, especially within an agency and marketing environment. Mm -hmm. I mean, yep. we rise by the collective creativity of our teams, not by the individual genius. Mm -hmm. um, and often I think when we are self protecting ourselves from our identity at work, from who we are at work, we inherently choose to pick to work by ourselves on things rather than bring in diverse inputs and bring in diverse lines of thoughts to try and make the output that much better. We often also censor ourselves about mm -hmm. insights that may be coming from our strategy teams or insights on human behavior because, well, if I say something that's about this cultural group or this sexuality or this type of relationship, people are gonna think I'm critical or people are gonna think, well, how does he know that about this type of group of people? Yep. And if we are able to be honest with ourselves, then there's two things that happen. One, I think we're so much more open to, we are so much more open to the insights we hear from the clients and the customers we're trying to serve. Yep. And two, we're much more able to hear what those audiences that we're trying to reach are, are, are saying. We don't go at it with a, as much bias because we allow ourselves to go, well, 
this is me and there's other people, different people out there. And this is what they look at. And this is the things that make them tick. So we've got to figure out mm-hmm. ways to reach those, those TikToks. So exactly. um, there's any number of things, especially in our industry that it impacts. Yeah. You know, it's really interesting as you were talking and I hadn't thought about this in quite a few years, but um, <clears throat> one of the things I'm really good at, and I was marketing, branding, VP sort of guy. So I was good at that stuff. But what I was really good at was projects. I could lay out a project, you know, that people would come to me and go, okay, da, da, da. I'm like, great. So here's how we're going to do this. Boom, 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 boom. You know, I could like really put this together. But I use that as a way to keep people away from me too. Because then I could dive into the project and like, no, 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 let me handle this. Let me put the plan. Because as long as I was putting the plan together, then I didn't necessarily have to have a lot of huge interaction because I'm kind of project manager guy now. You know, Rick's running the show. Yes, I was interacting with people, but I didn't have to like do a whole lot of customer facing stuff because here, let Rick be the guy behind the scenes that does this. And when I was in the startup world that I was in, one of the projects was implementing a CRM for our company. And it came down to the time for the switchover. Okay, we're moving from whatever we're moving from, similar to Salesforce to this new big CRM. And it actually meant there was a whole lot of data runs that had to happen in the middle of the night so that by the time everything, everybody came in the next morning, all the stuff would be moved, right? And I said, let me do it. Why? Because if I did this, I didn't actually have to interact. Mm -hmm. And I was then the hero. And the more I could do stuff that made me seem like the hero, subconsciously, I know this now, the more I was the hero, the less likelihood they wouldn't see that I really wasn't the hero. Because yeah. I was hiding. I was hiding so much of my truth. And that's something I think many of us use. It's like, okay, let's put all the deflection points up. Let's have all the armor and stuff. Because as long as all this is happening, they're not going to really see that, oh, guess what? Rick's gay. Or, oh, my God, Rick's you know, screwing around on the side. And, and when things started to unravel, I remember the year prior to everything coming apart. I was being more and more blatant about hanging out with all the LGBTQ folks in the company, going to the gay bars with those teams. Even though I was the guy that was managing the entire marketing branding department, I wasn't going out with all the sales guys. I was hanging with the people who were truly my crowd and acting like, yeah, I just, you know, I'm the guy that nobody's really suspecting anything of, even though now that it's all happened, They're all like, we knew exactly what was going on, but we weren't going to confront you because we knew you and we knew the best way to be with someone who's coming out is to let them do it on their own terms. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you my, my, my path was very similar in this idea of picking the planner roles. Um, I, when I went to college, I found, uh, or should I say I was adopted by, nine of the greatest men that live on this earth as far as I'm concerned. And I chose the role of the dad of the group. Mm-hmm. And the, because the role of the dad of the group was to always plan everything the group was doing. Yeah. And I didn't realize what that meant until many, many years later. But being the dad of the group, which is the guy that took care of everyone, that always made sure everyone had what they needed, that planned the spring breaks, that planned the weekend getaways, that was me allowing myself to be the hero of those experiences so that they didn't have to look at me for anything more than he's the guy we go to when we need to solve problems Um, because that's what the dad of the group did. And there was so much that I was protecting myself from playing that role because it was 
the way that I could protect myself from them thinking anything more than just simply I was the caregiver. When mm-hmm. in fact, what it allowed me to do was much like you said, be that project planner and be the hero of the successes. I got to be the hero of the events and make sure mm-hmm. if somebody was you know, completely inebriated and needed picking up, I was the guy that went and did that. Mm-hmm. If, if somebody <laughs> had a tough situation with a relationship, I knew how to solve those things. Yeah. Uh, if we needed to go on a, on a crazy spring break, break, I was the one that dealt with all the logistics with it, right? Because that was the way that I could protect myself from people looking any deeper than those situations. Right, because it, 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 it paints this almost like, you know, I'm gonna use Disney princess sort of painting of who we are. It's like, oh, they're just this wonderful person. And as long as we can keep people thinking that, then it's gonna be really hard to break through to, but wait, there's this whole other thing that's going on. You know? yep. and, and then, at least for me, and, and maybe for you this happened too, when those two worlds collided, oh, the shame and the guilt that hit was like, I'm such a fraud. I have been such a fraud. And then I had to walk through that and realize, okay, yes, I was a fraud, but you know what? You're okay, man. Because now you realize you see clearly what you did. And there are even days, you know, currently that I can start to see the little fraud. He walks up, he comes to the edge and goes, come on, we can do this. We And like, no, I can't do that anymore. Okay. I will get close because I can feel it. I can feel that energy because it never no matter how much work you do, there's little pebbles, you know, like pebbles in the shoe that are going to be there. And if I'm in the right frame of mind, I know that sounds weird, folks, when you say right frame of mind, it can creep up. But I'm so much more conscious of it now. It's like, no, you're not doing that again. You're going to be straightforward. You're going to be upright. You're going to be completely transparent and go, nope, I know exactly what I'm doing. And it, happened now to me, I can it happened to me this weekend. This exact situation happened to me yep. this weekend. Uh, I'm playing this planner role for my group of friends again. Right. And there was this back and forth conversation and I simply went, you guys let me know when you're ready to make a decision because I'm not going to play the role of breaking the tie or figuring out these nuances. Right. You, you tell me and I'll execute, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not going to try and play people pleaser here. That's not my role in this conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and bef- it, you know, years ago, I would have just continually tried to fix the situation. And rather, I chose to step out and say, nope, this is not my time or place. I'm going to allow you guys to figure this out, and then we will go from there. But I'm not, this is not my role to fix the situation. Right, right. And that's um, a huge step towards self-care and self-awareness that I'm hoping as people are listening to this, think about what he just said, what Michael just said, because... This is when you can catch yourself doing this in any kind of, quote, coming out journey. If you're leaving a corporate environment and you know why you always stayed in that, trust us. You have some little imposter that you've always been that's kept you in that role. Even though you're supposed to be over here doing this, and that little imposter is going to fight you and fight you and fight you every step of the way as you pursue going to do what you're meant to do. Same thing's going to happen if you're in a relationship. That isn't working, but the little imposter is like, but look at me, if I stay in this relationship and everybody's going to think I'm so good. In re- it's all bullshit. <laughs> Leave the relationship, go find the one you're meant to be in. And that little voice is still going to show up because it's going to question you as soon as you start finding that next relationship going, yes, but you're going to do the same thing in this one. Not necessarily. If you are conscious about what you learned about yourself and how you can deflect from this and move forward. Sounds like you and I are a lot alike, man. 
I think, I think there are some major synergies here. Yeah, yeah. So as you continue now to grow, which is a daily thing, what is something that you feel like you most learned from your coming out journey that helps you on a daily basis? I think as we grow up, we are often taught that um, we should filter bad news and anything that's really negative in a way that allows people to, to understand so that they don't feel like the news is as bad as it really is. Mm -hmm. And I think the thing that I have taken is that there are going to be so many more days in your life where you're going to have to deliver bad news, whether mm -hmm. it's about yourself, maybe it's about something you've done, maybe it's about uh, a, a project or a change you made in your life that didn't actually end, end up in the place where you want it to be, and whether that's a conversation with yourself or whether that's a conversation with a colleague or someone that reports to you or vice versa, that coming out and having that conversation, regardless or admitting this is what I need in my life, whether it is this is who I am, or this is what I need, or this is the change that I'm going to make. Those are some of the toughest realizations and conversations mm -hmm. we're going to have in our head and to another individual. And they will make the ability for you to have those tough experiences that much more easy down the road. Not, not in the sense that they will be abundantly easy, that you can just have be that person that can deliver bad news all the time and not have any emotion around it. But the way that you will approach them will come from a better place than a place of where you're trying to protect yourself and protect that individual or whoever's on the other end of that conversation. Mm -hmm. I love that answer because you played right into something that happened at National Speakers Association this year. Um, myself, um, I don't know if you're friends with Jeffrey Shaw. Do you know Jeffrey Shaw? Yes, I do, yeah. Okay, so Jeff and I, and um, of course I'm blanking on Callie's, I think it was Callie. We were on a panel, last day of NSA, and the whole panel was, what can you learn from the LGBTQ community about being a speaker? And we talked about all this stuff, about acceptance, rejection, having the tough conversations, showing up fully as yourself, making the decisions of how are you going to show up in the speaking world with clients and audiences as yourself, because I pitched it when we decided to do this, and I think this is actually going to be a main workshop next year. It's we are the flag bearers of a lot of tough stuff in life. And when you parallel that to what we do in business world, it doesn't matter if you're a speaker or not. There's so much to be learned by someone who is doing the journey of being LGBTQ because you have to have a tough conversation. You've got to know yourself really well. You're going to deal with rejection. You're going to deal, strive for acceptance. You're, these things that we all face in business, whether you're a speaker or not, these are beautiful things that I believe we in the LGBTQ community could do even a much better job of saying, let's help normalize who we are in the world by sharing our truth and why we can help other people in lots of different walks of lives to really walk through these doors. It's so true because they're, regardless of whether you're straight, gay, bi, lesbian, transgender, right. queer, whatever it is, um, there are always moments of incredible self-doubt. Yep. Um, and I think, I don't say this to sound flippant, and I know you saying it doesn't, doesn't mean we, we don't think that other sexualities and, and, mm -hmm. and, other, and other parts of, uh, of society don't experience these things, but coming out inherently you have to deal with 
so many emotional burdens, so many yep. layers of fear and rejection, so many layers of disappointment in, in people's expectations of you. And if you have, you know, uh, if you have married someone of the opposite sex or you've had children, there's, there's so many additional layers that go along with un, unburdening yourself of this. Yep. Yep. That you inevitably have a greater ability to deal with small problems and big issues. Mm-hmm. I think you're more equipped, I should say. You're not better at it, but you're more equipped to be able to deal with the facets of decision-making than I think, and problem-solving than I think maybe other parts uh, of society are because they're such big truths and issues that you deal with and you have to confront about yourself going through them. So when you are confronted with maybe problems that people view as big, but you can pull them down to a smaller level or you can unpack them for individuals, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's an ability that I don't think a lot of people get the chance to understand because they have not had these hugely self-fulfilling, meaty problems around their self-existence sometimes. Right. Um, and, and it's something, whether it's us talking about it or whether it's us helping to figure out what's the framework that we unpacked our sexuality and how does that mm-hmm. apply to how you unpack things that you face in your life is something that we can really bring to the, to the conversation table, whether it's for speakers or whether it's for business leaders or whether it's for uh, people that are just entering with the workforce and, and corporate environments. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something somebody's got to spend some time on because I think that there's so much that we could be learning from that experience. I agree 100%. And if you, if you look at you know, male white privilege, well, we can almost always, I, I, I jokingly say this, and, and I say it in a loving way, there's hetero privilege that, you know, doesn't get talked about near as much. But when you start to look at some of the movements from Black Lives Matter to the Me Too movement, those are all coming out journeys. Those are journeys that started with someone saying, I'm confused. Why, why can't I talk about this? Why shouldn't I expose this? Then they get curious about what's going to happen if I actually do this. What if I step forward and say, enough is enough? Well, then the next thing they need is the courage to actually make that happen. And once they have the courage, you can't just have the courage. You have to actually have the confidence to step into that. And when you finally step into that confidence to say, hello, me too. I've been that woman who's done this. Then you are actually committed to telling the story and living life as that person and consistently showing up. And what I just outlined is the six, what I consider my six steps to a coming out journey. It is being confused then curiosity, then courage, then confidence, then commitment and consistency. And when you put it in the framework, any one of these social movements actually is a coming out journey in my book. It is. That's, that's, that's so true. And that, that framework, I think, could be applied well beyond just journeys of self-discovery. Yeah, and I think it, it, it can be applied in the corporate world. What happens when, you, when your company is sucking wind? Well, guess what? You're probably in some state of confusion. And if you don't go get curious about why you're in that confusion, you're never going to resolve stuff. But even when you start to ask the questions and you start to get some answers, do you as an organization have the courage to go make the changes? And even if you say, okay, I think we can, then you got to step up into that confident space as leaders, as innovators, as marketers, as whatever developers, whatever you want to call it, so that you have the confidence to do this and then you have to commit to it. But once you commit, you have to be consistent in that commitment, whether that's 
making it safe for LGBTQ people to be in the, in the workspace, or whether you say we are going to be the next innovative company like an Apple, you have to commit and you have to consistently show up. And I think this framework is something that really truly needs to like be dropped in many, many organizations so they can go, wow, we actually are in huge amounts of closets. <laughs> we don't see these closets, but if we use the framework, where's the marketing department in a closet that if we give them the tools to get out of confusion and step forward into being curious and on up the ladder, I think companies will see a whole new shift in how, as you said so beautifully, as a collective, we can now move forward for the greater of uh, the company. Yeah, and I think it's also an acceptance as you peel back that confusion and mm -hmm. you, you start to ask those questions that those, in, those things you find out from those questions will inherently mean you'll have to start that process over. Over again. Because they will peel back things that are causing the problems and it's yeah. about how do we understand where, it, there's not gonna be a root. There's gonna no. be any number of things that are causing this. And I'll, I'll give you a very concrete example. At Godfrey, the organization that I work for, um, we last year instituted, um, we wanted to push more transparency at all parts of the organization. What we found is we were not living up to that need for transparency because people were afraid of failure. And when we started to dive into that insight, what we found is that often the senior leadership does not, a, not necessarily admit, but not talk about when they have faced failures or when we have failed as a team. Mm -hmm. um, for, our, for our own team, for the organization, we have to bubble up those things and explain this is how we failed mm -hmm. so that you know it's okay to say I failed, but here's what we learned from it. We often didn't talk about those experiences because there's any number of things that the senior leadership team fails at regularly that we just pack away for our own self-learning, but we don't unpack for the organization. And so oftentimes what we find is that, yes, we'll get to, we'll, we'll, we'll get to these, we'll, we'll, we'll want to move the company forward in a, in a very specific way. But to do that, we've got to unpack five or six layers deep yep. in order to be able to move in that direction. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's such a perfect example of this whole uncloseting, literally uncloseting yourself so that you can move forward, which is everything we as gay men, lesbian women, transgender, all this stuff, we uncloset this so that we can be who we're meant to be. And I'm hoping as people have listened today, they see the parallels to so many aspects of life and it's all started because you wrote a very impactful 800-day article that really laid some of the basis for this conversation today, man. It wasn't just about, here's my coming out story, which I loved it. That isn't where you went. You went to the other layers of, and it did this in my speaking career, and it did this in my business, and it did, did because we can't separate this thing and say, okay, that sits over here on this shelf. It is a holistic part of every aspect of who we are as a person. And it will always be that from now till the day that we die, who we truly are. So um, I'm so glad we had this conversation today, man. It was amazing. Thank Absolutely you. I, amazing. I appreciate the time more than you know. Uh, well, and I appreciate you. So if you could say one thing to anybody who might be just thinking about, okay, I'm going to hide. I'm going to keep myself you know, out of the limelight, so to speak, or not be transparent. What's something you might like to leave the audience with as we sign off here today? I'll lead with the, the, first, the first major reason why I wanted to write this article was YOLO, and it sounds very flippant, but you only live once. Mm -hmm. This time on this big blue spinning, spinning ball, as Mike Anino says to me in so many text messages, 
you get a very finite time. And we as humans, the number, the, our, the biggest thing that we have in our lives, the most valuable thing we have in our lives is time. And if that is the case, if you truly believe that, which I hope everyone does, you've only got one time. Yeah. So you might as well spend it being you. That's awesome, man. Thanks so much for being here, man. Really appreciate you. Anytime. And as Michael finished up that conversation, it really got me thinking. This is the perfect episode to air the day before National Coming Out Day, which is tomorrow. And this wasn't intended that this would be the particular show that would air. I just said, hey, let's do this. And as Michael and I were having that conversation, then as we had a conversation post what you heard on the air, it truly got me thinking that his 800 days is exactly the reason for everyone to think about National Coming Out Day. And not just if you're coming out sexually. I want everyone to take his 800 days lens and make sure you read the article, which there's a link on the show page to that article. Because what could your 800 days be? Maybe tomorrow is your National Coming Out Day. Even if you don't come out to anybody except yourself. And I feel like this is such a beautiful entry point to the show you will hear tomorrow about someone who has gone through hell and back to come out to be themselves. And I'm going to encourage you to think about, are you done being in your own personal chaos, your own mask, in your own closet? And do you want to experience a brand new 800 days because you finally took the step to be exactly who you're meant to be, to show up as who you are, and to love yourself enough to give yourself the self-care that is necessary to go make your bold move and live your life uncloseted. All right, there you have it. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end, but that's okay. We're going to be back in just a couple of days sharing more stories, tips, tricks, and wisdom for helping you live your life uncloseted. And you know what? You can share it too. Just take a few moments if you like and if you believe in this podcast and share it with someone you know today. Share it from your phone. Go share it on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you are. Maybe even give us a rating review because you know what? It's all about the planet living their life uncloseted. I'm Rick Clemens, host of the show and the guy who helps you make those big, bold moves. And I hope you never stop stepping out, stepping up, and stepping in to living your life uncloseted. Catch you real soon. Take care, everyone.